are listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm your host, Janine Strong, and today I'm having a super inspiring conversation with Karen Sperling. Karen has been blessed to have a very interesting life, and she has been using her gifts to help as many people as she possibly can in very creative ways. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Um, I would like to read a quote before we go on from you uh, that's from you because uh, I think it really uh, exemplifies who you are and then we will uh, continue. When people comment that I do so much, which I don't feel I do, I always say, just do something, sometime. For 30 years, I have belonged to a service ashram that takes care of hungry people in the streets, people with AIDS and addictions. I learned from that community to be present in the streets, hospitals and hospices, and to make food and feed people. Over the years, I have monthly, weekly, or daily made meals and walked the streets in Venice Beach Boardwalk, she's in California, having the privilege of talking to homeless people, learning from them, and loving them. I took in five African-American children whose mother died of AIDS and have been their caregiver, support, and comfort zone for the past 25 years. Karen's also had a successful career as a writer. She was the first woman in this country to write, produce, and direct feature films, and the first to hire an all-woman crew in 1973. She has written screenplays, novels, published by Doubleday, a Broadway musical, and the first woman to run for president of the U.S. About. about, excuse me, a Broadway musical about the first woman to run for president of the U.S. And she also has a series of interactive children's books. Wow. And we haven't even gotten to her transformational work yet. <laughs> I'm honored to have you on my podcast. Thank you. Well, I'm so proud of you for doing all of this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, now I know you've had an unusual upbringing and, um, and I definitely want to focus mostly on your work, but it, it would be fun to just hear a little bit about how you grew up because like I said, I, I know it's an unusual upbringing for most people. Well, I think what better way to get into the world of consciousness transformation, uh, coming from the Hollywood family mm-hmm. that built the dream factory, you know, my, my, <laughs> My grandfather was one of the Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, they were, of course, very, one, socially conscious, and two, the first to put sound on film, and very, very creative in what they did and how they wanted to uh, educate and entertain people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm proud of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think anyone. Well, maybe kids now, but you know, most everybody. When when you say Warner Brothers, they you know they recognize that as as a, a, a cornerstone of the film industry. Yes. Yeah. Well, my dad was also a filmmaker, and my uncle, mm-hmm. and um, I guess I wanted to be a good son at some point because then I started <laughs> making films. Uh, <laughs> And I'm being a woman in the early 70s, and doing that was pretty odd uh, and tough. Yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah. But I, I really, I really loved doing it, and I loved hiring the women because it was the women's movement at the time, and I was the only executive in the business, and I felt like not only creatively, the film needed an all-woman set to make it a kind of sterilized set for what the theme of the movie was. So it was a creative decision, too. Mm-hmm. What but, is the movie? Um, the movie was, that movie was called The Waiting Room. The Waiting uh, the Room. The first one I did was called Make a Face. You know, in those days, everybody, I produced, I wrote, I directed, everybody said, oh, you want to be an actress? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So, I'm not sure how they got, yeah, well, <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, so I don't know, I jumped, leaped, and dove into that as my first career mm-hmm. uh, and I moved on and what did you move on to uh, then I became a, a patient advocate um, and I married a surgeon who uh, created a learning treatment and support center for women with breast cancer so I became a, 
patient advocate, and um, we wrote several novels together that were about conspiracy of silence in the medical profession Mm. and also the emotional experience of being a woman who would lose her breast and what that meant to her identity. And it it was nice. It was nice to work together, and those books were published, and then I wrote another then I kept writing, mm-hmm. and I wrote more movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then we started with all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to adopt kids, so we adopted two, and then I had one. And then after I we were separated, I took in five children, mm-hmm. five African-American children. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's yeah. a big undertaking for a single woman. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't seem to... Th- think it out much I just do what I go I want this experience and Mm -hmm. boy did I get it Mm -hmm. yeah but so so the contrast of coming I did come from being considered you know an heiress to a Hollywood family experience and I did you know experience Hollywood to some extent though my mom was very politically and socially active and did not want us to consider ourselves royalty of any kind. Mm-hmm. So she and she was an artist. So we were not really given that identity, although other people put that on you when you come from that background. Sure. But it was it it you know, I've finally got to the point where it was interesting for other people and I had experiences that you know, I know you said I you wanted to hear a story you know, I would run down the street and into Dean Martin's house, you know, and the Rat Pack would be sitting there. Uh, give me, it's, you know, I can't remember which daughter I played with, but too bad it wasn't Dean. He was very cute. The young Dean. Um, but uh, Gail, I was Gail. Anyways, uh, you know, and that was a neighborhood across the street was Debbie uh, Reynolds and... and uh, Eddie Fisher until he went over to Liz. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, but it, so it was kind of peripherally, of course, a part of my life to some extent. And I worked on the studio lot and rode Clint Walker's horse around the lot. And, you know, so I know it's, it's, it was special. Um, and it was my grandfather, my, my uncle made The Wizard of Oz and mm-hmm. my dad made 50 Wow, there's films. a classic. Yeah. So, so that was a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you think that's shaped you in the work that you do now? That's a good question. Well, like I said, uh, that there is where people went to live in other worlds, really, and to create in time, spliced together in space, stories. Mm-hmm. And to create magic i mean that's uh, and inform people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so i think you know if you kind of slip and slide through the value of movies and the value of communicating in reality in that reality a dream fact reality i went to the next <laughs> arena uh, consciousness reality mm-hmm. you know which you can't see you know can't touch but you sure can play with it. And I think when I finally landed after years at the Monroe Institute and working with um, other, you know, teachers and things, and I worked at the um, American Society for Psychical Research mm-hmm. in the late 60s doing research, um, it was always of interest to me that we had capacities that we weren't using. Uh, and so... I think once I got to Matrix Energetics, which is where I met you, mm-hmm. was just this divine forum of lightness and, and uh, allowing and creating uh, and changing all the time. And I think Richard Bartlett was an amazing gatherer of information. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I think when I was with on staff there and, um, you know, I had a nice relationship in terms of being able to play with, you know, Richard and the other staff and stuff constantly and be with hundreds of people in that field, you know, for mm-hmm. six and a half years. There's where I I just let go of everything, dissolved into everything and played with everything. And it was so wonderfully playful. 
uh, and and create and not believing in one thing. You know, it's not like you have to do this, this, and this to get this, this, and this result. It right. was kind of like, right. wait for it, <laughs> mm-hmm. notice it, trust it, don't judge it. How is it useful? And you go. And that's, there's the information. And it's a resonant field with the other person once you're in that expanded state. Mm-hmm. And boy, you mm-hmm. could be in that expanded state and that you know morphic field that was created by by uh, Richard and by Matrix. And I loved it and appreciated it. It was a wonderful sound. Well, I always found it so amazing how, because Stephen and I went to umpteen, you know, seminars and, and at the time there was what level one, two and three. So you're, you're, you're going over and over again to quote unquote, the same seminars, but they were always different. It was never the same. It was always evolving as Richard was evolving. And it was always such a wonderful state of possibility and play and learning. And it just seemed like we were all evolving, you know, along with Richard and along with Matrix. Yeah. And he, he, you know, the, the clown, the fool, the, the one who's at zero point, (laughs) you know, you know, the fool is represented by the zero and that's where everything starts and everything ends. And so there was this wonderful, uh, the first time I saw him, I thought, this man does not care what anybody thinks. <laughs> he is totally irreverent. And I love irreverence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, my, one of my favorite people to just kind of have good company with is Osho Rajneesh. Mm-hmm. He is completely irreverent and, and doesn't want anything anyone following him or you know but just he and he has gathered so much information so for me i just looked at rich said okay (laughs) this is all play this is all to be amused but with with such a divine purpose to be useful to someone else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and that's my mantra i want to be useful and still be amused and be playful and stay in that light state. And I was one of the people who just plain dissolved in an instant, you know, right at the lobby, right in the lobby, you know, or in the market or on the playground or at the, in the airport. I was down on the ground giggling. <laughs> so you you could shift so fast. I I know. I just I remember many times just seeing you like drop out of reality and into wherever it was you were going. Yeah, that's that non-physical state where everything's available, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and my, my, what I eventually did as a kind of my little seminars in the afternoons was know nothing, access everything. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about so, that. What do you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's important. Well, it's just once you're, I've gotten to the point, I mean, I have totally distilled everything down to something extremely simple. I stand next to somebody and they start to feel like they're woozy. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And that means they're noticing there are the field. You know, to me, the field is where we play, where where we are, who we are, what we are. We're not a physical body. And so once you feel that lightness of being and that at ease state, everything's accessible. Uh, and then you kind of just have to notice, see, I don't believe in anything. I don't look for reincarnation, auras, um, whatever else you get, the mm-hmm. chakras. Uh, you know, everybody goes, can you see this? I said, I don't know. I don't know nothing until I'm blended in that blended field with you. And then information shows up, and I trust it because no matter how weird it is, I trust it mm-hmm. because it's something that resonates. It's, a pa- it's the stories or the information. It can be sometimes another lifetime. It can be a, a holographic image. It can be, but I don't. Not looking for that. You're not expecting so, anything. No, and mm-hmm. and I and I love. And the weirder it is, sometimes the better. Mm-hmm. And I I have you know worked with thousands of people. I've never said, and I've said some very strange things to people. Um, <laughs> I've never had anybody go look at me cross-eyed and say, I don't know what you're talking about. They all go, uh-huh. How'd you know that? And I go, because you just told me. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, uh, I've now also gotten to where I call it good listening. 
Okay. Um, and I do different, I've done different workshops. I've done how to hear hidden voices, how to be the Buddha and you. Um, I'm going to do one in this in September. I have a wonderful place that people give me to do this work. And it's oh, nice. called uh, Making Moments Magic. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just that it keeps evolving. Every time I do a workshop, I go, that's it. I've got it. This is what I'm going to share. I don't like to say I'm teaching. This is what I'm going to share. And about two hours later, I go, nope. <laughs> I have to figure it out again. <laughs> so that's the fun part. You know, you keep moving and keep opening up and other stuff comes in. So so to me, it's just being in that state at, the, at ease. Mm-hmm. And your mind, your if your mind is talking to you, I just say, "Say I hear you," but usually mind just goes, shuts up, and uh, and then I wait for it, uh, and something something shows up. You know, it can be everybody says, "Well, are you psychic, clairvoyant, clairaudient?" I go, "Yes," and so are you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just in touch with it. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm just playing with it. Mm-hmm. I invite, <laughs> come on down. Um, so so I think that's the the easiest way. And I'm not attached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. I, I can that's get people important. with cancer, anxiety, needs, whatever. You know, they'll come in with cancer and say, what are you going to do for me? And I'll go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I am so comfortable with that, mm-hmm. that they get comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually usually start laughing after I say that, but uh, it doesn't mean I don't care, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what's going to happen or how this is going to work for you or what we're going to do about it. Because if I'm in the problem set with you, mm-hmm. I'm in the problem set with you. Mm-hmm. And I have people say, oh, I have this going on here in my back. And I go, but it's not there. It's in your shoulders. Because I just go where my attention's drawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I, I mess, I call it mess with it. You know, <laughs> I mess with where my attention's drawn. And the shift comes to where they are, have concerns. For me, it's one of the best outcomes is if I never see any, that person again. Mm-hmm. It's, now, it's not great maybe for a, a practice, but it's great for, for what I, my intention is, which is, if someone comes in with something that they're concerned about, I say, what would you like to attend to? I don't say, what's the problem? Okay. Um, and they, I had a cousin, he, he got nauseous when he goes fishing. He had to go fishing with his son. So I don't know what I did, whatever came up and messed with him. And he left. And about three months later, he said, I'm going fishing with my son. I said, oh, well, how's the nausea? He said, huh? <laughs> I said, I said, you got nauseous. Remember when you came to my house and we did that? <gasps> we did. Oh, my God. I don't hit ever since. And I go, perfect outcome. Perfect. And that happens to me all the time. I run into people I've been with and I've messed with or I played with. And uh, they go, oh, my God, I <laughs> that went away or whatever that was. And I don't even remember being there. And so I, they sometimes say, can I come back for this? I go, absolutely not. You can come back to adhere, to anchor something or do something else. But if I tell you to come back because you're in pain, what are you going to do? Keep your pain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So isn't it, isn't it fascinating how when something, let's just say, goes away, a pain or, or, or whatever, and, and you just forget about it. <laughs> Totally forget until somebody brings it up or something happens and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. That went away. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing you have to be careful sometimes because people want to keep stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a secondary gain. But yeah, it keeps their conversation going. It keeps their concerns going. It keeps them, you know, they. Yeah, it's almost like you can't take away the meal and not have something else to feed them, <laughs> mm, you know, mm-hmm. so, so, uh, you know, I'd like to work with people a little bit on what are you going to, you know, fill this space with now. Some people just, you know, are fine. They go on. But the other thing is like, I had a guy with really bad back pain. I mean, suicidal and mm. we worked on it and, or with it or played with it. And he left. And about three weeks later, I said, by the way, notice the pain. 
you know, and notice what's different. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, he called, he said, pain's the same, and I feel lighter. Mm-hmm. And the end, I feel lighter, he moved into. Mm-hmm. So within a certain period of time, he was his back pain was gone. A lot of other things that were just bothering him also. His business had gone under. His business was back, et cetera. So he moved into what was different. And, and that's important. Stuck. Yeah, that's a really good, that was a good, good way to go. Because mm-hmm. um, I think we have a tendency to focus on what's the same instead of what is different, what has changed. Yes, yeah. And, and a, a, okay, so for there's another story. For example, mm-hmm. I had a woman who comes to me with cancer, and she says, I'm doing everything for my health. I'm cooking for my health. I'm doing exercise for my health. And I said, no, you're doing it for your cancer. Mm. And she said, what do you mean? I said, if you had said to me, I'm doing these exercises and my body can do things I didn't think it could do. And I'm cooking because and finding these wonderful ways of eating that I'm really enjoying. It's not related. Once you do the polarity for my health, for my cancer is right there. Mm-hmm. So I I encourage just like you know those wonderful things about open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. I enc- always encourage people's language to shift to to how they're experiencing something, so that they're experiencing it in a much more possible way. There's more potential available when you say, you know, uh, okay, with money. Somebody says, I want money. Okay, mm-hmm. that means I don't have money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I go, what would it be like if you had the support you need? Mm-hmm. Now, support has a whole much broader range. Absolutely. So that's another kind of stylistic way of moving through things. But I have to say, over these years, uh, it's getting simpler and simpler and simpler. It's getting so simple, it's almost like just being present. Once people feel this, and I work in the streets, I work in the markets, I work at wherever I, if I go to a physical therapist, I mention what I do and they, they get into it. I just, <laughs> wherever I am, if I can, you know, put my little hands out and go, woo, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So, and people ask me, you know, when I go to meetings or I go to other places. And then the other way I've been, and I do it in the streets, as I said, when I go to feed people and stuff, sometimes we talk about it and. Um, they get that feeling where they're just a little lighter and there's more access when you're mm-hmm. in that state. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, uh, I offer nonprofits, like I worked with the ACLU and Code Pink and I'm working with tree people and their staff. Um, I want to give back to the staff now. I mean, this is such a difficult time for all the people who help others. Mm-hmm. And so I meet, I go and meet with the staff individually. And basically I do is sit down and say, what's up? And they start talking because uh, I'm listening. And we move through something that's concerning them or they want to shift. And then I just do some of this kind of stepping into what it feels like to be in that shift. Uh, so that's kind of how it goes. It can go for, I can work for five minutes with somebody, 15 minutes or an hour. It doesn't matter, whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And and I don't charge <laughs> because I I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm okay. You know, I can pay my rent and feed myself and help all my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So until that's, it's it's imposing on you know, my own well-being, I, I don't charge for any of it. Mm-hmm. The sense that I get is that you have kind of evolved into being a walking transformation. Shine <laughs> <laughs> <Dying> a light. <laughs> I, I kind of, I have this picture right now of you sort of like this little tornado that, uh, that walks around disrupting people's lives in a good way, <laughs> you know, at helping them to open and access new possibilities and, and just get a different perspective and get out of their box. 
Well, get out of their way is always that wonderful phrase. I love that get out of your way. Mm-hmm. And it's and 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 when it's not I I've learned from the kids uh you know and all of their difficulties that it's not about me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with you know I've had I've lost a child, two children. Um others have been you know doing drugs and alcohol and had a lot of problems because they were quote unquote at risk kids mm-hmm. um having babies with baby daddies and all this experience that again was not from my background but something I moved into it's not about me so anything i am and i cuz i'm not doing anything when i'm with people uh but it's it's this blended field and so it's between us and i feel that they're doing as much as i'm doing to shift something mhm i'm kind of when i'm in that wave feeling Mm-hmm. It's kind of mass matching the oscillations, uh, the oscillating universe. You know, it's like uh, I'm just in the wave there, and um, so I'm participating and I'm getting help. Hmm. So, do you feel like when you're with someone, you're you're like you're, oh, what's the way to say it? Maybe you're matching their energy to start to connect with them, and then you're shifting that or or raising that frequency or I don't I don't think so. No, okay. I think no, I think all I'm doing is stepping I'm in the I I hold the field maybe a little more aware because I've done it more. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I I'm next to somebody <laughs> they feel that mm-hmm. and they 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 just get they just feel more at ease um and they get lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I don't, I don't talk about energy anymore or I, I don't know what, I mean, I've studied a lot. I love studying, you know, physics and all these things and I can't, probably don't understand most of what I'm reading, but I know I'm downloading that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've studied stuff that reveals the reality of this. Uh, although that's changing too, you know, mm-hmm. it's true until they find the next right. reality. So to me, it's just a, a sensibility that you hold, um, and of who we are, which is this, which is not a physical body per se, but this kind of more, uh, wave-like, uh, beingness that's a state of ease that keeps you in a kind of dissolved, expanding, transparent state. So you're available, you're neutral, you know, uh, and then that person feels their neutrality in that space and expanded availability to to get information or to notice something change. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that being able to be in that place of neutrality offers an ability to have more access to everything. Yeah. Not not being stuck in black or white or or uh, uh, one one emotion or another. Yeah, some people complain about using the term neutral because they want to experience life. You know, they don't want to be uh, left. You know, that they're having an emotional challenge. You, there's mm-hmm. no denying. You know, grief or or pain or there's you don't have there's I don't say oh, let's move out of that I say well let's maybe experience this a little differently or move through it differently or have it move through you mm-hmm. you know but but having lost a child for example that sucked and it hurt and it was hard and I remember going through that um so so I don't take people and say okay let's let's stop this you know mm-hmm, <laughs> this mm-hmm. this real emotion or this real feeling and go into neutral let's just notice what it feels like to be more at ease and let it move through you a little more easily I, for example like there's what about the medical profession so i i have people come as they said who might want to do chemotherapy you know they're going to do mm-hmm. chemotherapy well, I don't go, oh, no, no, don't do chemotherapy. We'll just shift your energy and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I wait to notice what works for them. I mean, I had one a friend who was going to do chemotherapy. She was lying in bed. And, and like I said, it's very playful. You do what shows up. And 
I was standing there, and I got no chemotherapy for her. And I went, (laughs) to her. And she went, oh, Karen, you're so crazy. And I said, you know what? No chemo. And she called me three days later. She said she forgot her chemo appointment. It's (laughs) on her calendar. She called the doctor. The doctor said, I reevaluated you. You don't need chemo. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Now, that's just the way it, uh, way it you know, played out. Mm-hmm. Another client would come and I would say, all right, let's do chemos on the, on, I feel it, I get it, it's there, whatever, it's for you, whatever. It's, let's do it a little differently. Let's see how we can move through it and experience it a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know what comes to me when you're, you're talking about, it's not about not feeling the emotion, but it's, it's about not getting hooked, allowing the whatever the emotion is, or what you're going through to be okay, but without the without that hook that uh, gets you stuck in it, or tosses you around. But Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay to, you know, have the experience (laughs) I mean, we came here for the pinch. We didn't come here to be angels. We've been angels. So, you know, that state, this this reality check down here is the human experience, <laughs> you know. Quite the um, reality check. <clears throat> yeah, quite the reality check, never ending. So, like I said, I, I don't want to be there saying, oh, well, let's just get into this blissful state and you'll be fine. It's no, it's just being in whatever it is. It's so different every time. You know, I can't, I can't make rules because every single time is different. Every person's different. Everything they're going through is different. I have never done the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you're really just, you're responding to what comes up. Yeah. Whatever shows up, I'm going to trust it and play with it and ask how it can be useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen things. I, I do a... Sometimes I say, well, I'm going to look at your hologram. You know, I try to base it in things. When, when I have to do exercises in my workshops, I have to make this stuff up, you know, so they can experience it. So, mm-hmm. uh, And I do notice images or something can show up. I don't CC it, but I get the information, mm-hmm. and I relate it to the person, and it's always something that seems to resonate with who they are. Um, and how they might be moving through something. Um, I ha- one time I, and when the beginning, this woman was selling a house and she was sitting in the house and I went up to her and I said, you look unhappy, what's going on? She said, oh, my boyfriend just trashed me. I said, well, I do something, would you like to look at it <laughs> with me <laughs> or whatever, uh, can I mess with you? And um, I saw off the side, this Indian woman who had a blanket and she wanted to wrap up her instruments and come into this woman's heart. And I asked her if that was okay. So there was one time I got like image to do. So she called me the next day and she said, oh my God, I am the woman I've always wanted to be. And Mm -hmm. totally dropped this feeling of this man trashed me. Well, that was nice. I appreciated she let me know because sometimes people don't let me know. I would say Six years, seven years, eight years later, I was in the neighborhood and I was going to rent a house and it turned out to be her house. Well, it also turned out over those seven years, I was playing the drums and the flute. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, she opened the door and I looked at her and I said, oh my God, do you remember the Indian woman who wrapped up her flutes and drums and wanted to come into your heart years ago? She said, oh my God, yes. I said, well, now I want to come into your home with my drums and my flute. Mm. And I got <laughs> the house. goosebumps. <laughs> but but so there's so much beauty in the stories, you know. Stuff like that happens all the time. And then of course, because I've lost a child, and uh, there's been a world of communication, you know, with her and her way. For example, I ended up playing music on the boardwalk in Venice, which is something she wanted to do. So mm. kind of her spirit kind of jumped into me. I don't know how in my 60s, early 70s, I ended up on the boardwalk with a drumming band playing music. You know, it was just oh my goodness. crazy. Oh my. 
so so that was my Sarah kind of guiding me to have her life too. Mm-hmm. And there's many many other stories of her her showing up and stuff. Oh, neat. So yeah, so it's nice it's nice to you, you don't have to believe in these things, but you certainly can enjoy them, mm-hmm. appreciate mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And and participate in them and have them fuel you and nourish you. Well, you know what came to me is life is magical if you just allow it. You know, the it's like it's and notice there, it. the magic. You right, it. Allow it and notice it, right? Because it's there. It's just if we're and I'm just as much to blame as anybody else. You know, if we're stuck in our quote unquote stuff, we we tend to miss the magic in life. Yeah, I I was really good at, I used to say, I hate my life, I love my days. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my life, I love my days. I kind of like that. That's <laughs> Yeah, it was great because it was, you know, there was stuff not, I must say I have had the real world stuff not work. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are a mess, the career didn't quite go where it should, the, you know, the man didn't show up, blah, blah, blah. And I love my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, my days. So I kind of kept that that flow or whatever um, going most of the time. Now I got hit recently and with a new phase. And you go, uh-oh, what happened to that? Oh, I'm good at this. <laughs> Life is just fine. I appreciate everything. I go back to the practice, and the practice is not gratitude, which I think is a bit of much work. Mm-hmm. Um, just to open the fridge and say, wow, food, nice, you know, or, oh, I saw a pretty flower out there. It's kind of just moments. It's just now threading back the moments like pearls in the day mm-hmm. and appreciating mm-hmm. them. I know sometimes I I have to deliberately do that to be appreciative, you know, of little things that, yeah. you know, that I'm, I need to be uh, appreciative of that I have that, um, you know, just because some things aren't going well, or I'm upset about or whatever, it, it you know, it, it really does help to turn your, your thoughts, your beingness to what it is you appreciate or have gratitude for, however you want to say it. It's also, there's another one I love, which is attitude. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed, I like this whole summer, I was doing a lot of things for my children and grandchildren, you know, all of them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. spending money like crazy. And <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm just going on. Okay, but this is so fun, and I want to do this for them. I want them to have this. Well, at the end of the summer, I sold something I wasn't expecting to sell, and it covered all the costs. Because, <laughs> and I felt that from the beginning. I just there's a not a feeling of oh I'm going to get this back. It's a feeling of this is okay. Mm-hmm. I can do this, and not going to worry. Interesting. And, uh, and yeah, it's 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 kind of a comfort zone. You just go in the comfort zone, saying I'm participating in this, and this works, mm-hmm. and it'll work for me too. Mm-hmm. So how can people, what can people do on a practical level to, to, to do their best to be more in this, this kind of a state that you're talking about that would really help them to, um, you know, be more peaceful and more at ease. And there's so much chaos and, and it just seems like, it seems to me like change is speeding up. It it certainly seems to me like time is speeding up. There's just, I don't know where the days mm-hmm. go. It's like, whoop, well, there's the day that one's gone. And I've gotten yeah. how many things on my list done, you know? Um, yeah. And, and just to, just to kind of not be in that sense of frustration or that sense of needing to be at a fast pace all the time and, and, so I have one little exercise that I always tell, uh, mention to people, and a lot of people have said, it works even when I'm in bed, asleep at night and wake up in the middle of the night. All I say is, stand up, notice what it feels like, take a step, notice what's different. Hmm. 
Now that's really being present. So say that again. Stand up. Stand up. Notice what it feels like. Okay. And how about everybody who's listening, just take a moment and do that. Let's use this as a little exercise. Um, and even if, well, I guess you do have to stand if you're, uh, if you want to actually take a step. It's good to stand only because then you can, you can kind of have that co-connection from above, so below, and Mm -hmm. you're, you're the scent, you're the, the balance in between. And it's just, uh, I just think you can feel it more. Mm -hmm. If you can't stand up because you can't stand up, then sit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then roll your chair to another spot. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was thinking. That that the obvious, also the obvious plus of standing is that you can actually move your feet and take a step. Okay. Yes, and then you take a step and notice what's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you keep? Doing that, taking more steps, or just you, if you want to, you can. But you could just do it as a little. It's just a little. It's just a breath away. Change is one breath away. I always say to people, "How long does it take to die?" And they go, "Well, you get sick. You have, nope. How long does it take to die?" Yep. Yep. It's one breath away. Change is one breath away. Shifting is one breath away. Mm-hmm. So it's one step away from just being in a different moment. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really powerful statement because I think there's a tendency to think of, you know, changes, you know, to change anything, to be in, it's like a a big, huge drama. It's a, you know, big, huge uh, process. Mm -mm. It doesn't have to be, obviously, from what you're saying. No, I, I, I mean, we're used to that. It gives us more conversation and, you know, mm-hmm. work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the present, the, the only time there is no time is in the present. Um, and that's the space in between. And when you can play or live in that space in between, that's where the flow is. It's like if, there's, if you look at a river, there's the past side and the future side, and in between is the present. Mm-hmm. And that's moving all the time. It's moving all the time and being comfortable with the, with the change and the movement and stepping into that. And that's where everything I feel is, you know, happening kind of and, and flowing. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and feeling comfortable in that at a state or feeling comfortable in that flowing state. That's what it, why I said I had so much practice being the wave, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm oscillating like the universe is oscillating and, uh, dissolving and reappearing is, you know, and people have said sometimes they see me disappear and, and reappear. So um, I used to say also, because I, I know we talked about this a long time ago, but uh, everybody's always wanting to levitate, right? Mm, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, because that's a big magical moment, you're no longer uh, on gravity, et cetera. And I would always think about the guys, you know, the scientists and everybody being together. And I said, well, when you dissolve like you do when you're a wave and you kind of just float to the floor, you're levitating down. Interesting. That messes with your mind. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Um, And the other thing is you have to trust, and I don't mean trust like, as a rule of thumb, but I have done things. There was a time when I was working at Matrix, I used to hit people. Mm-hmm. It just would show up, shove them, hit them. I loved it. Um, <laughs> it was it was something that showed up, and I trusted it. And because I trusted it, Richard called me the hitting saint. Um, <laughs> it was it was like it it gave me more trust because then it nobody ever complained <laughs> mm-hmm. um and, and no one's ever as i said looked cross-eyed at me or complained about what i've said to them and i've said terrible things to them, like oh you sound just like your mother don't you you know or a young woman came to me and said oh my god everybody's been so wonderful you mean family the doctors about my cancer just been so wonderful to me i said oh and so you just wanted a big c for them <laughs> And she said, what? 
And I said, bend over. And I had her bend over into a C. And I held on to her for a few minutes. She came back up. She says, I'm not having cancer for everybody. Wow. Good job. Yeah, but those are the kind of things that happen that are so weird. How could you say that to me? She's going, oh, I'm very just being so loving and kind. Uh huh. So you're just going to be the big C for them, huh? That's irreverence. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that irreverence pays off. Yeah, and that's trusting that what what is coming to you is authentic and uh, and true. Yeah, a lot of people. It's not. I, I don't want to say it's not coming for me. It is coming for me, but it's coming with me through me through you. And yeah. it's it. Yeah. So it's so much fun to have that information, clarity, mm-hmm. and to share it. And to have it resonate with that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does. Mm-hmm. Wow. This brings back a memory of when when I was regularly going to matrix seminars. Because when you're regularly in the field and, and playing with all of this, you you know, it. I feel like I've kind of lost it over the years. But I remember times, at least three times, just sitting across from different people. And all of a sudden, they'd they'd have a shift and some something strange would happen to them and 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 it was just from being in my energy field yeah that's that's, easy. that's possible all the time and it's i'm not any better at it than others i mean i've done it a little more but it's 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 part of them it's not something i'm doing mhm mhm well, it sounds to me like you are really, really good at just getting out of yourself and just kind of being a, a vessel for whatever the universe wants to play with. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm in partnership. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in partnership with, with and, and I love everybody. I mean, <laughs> that's a nice thing to say. There's just something about, you know, I, I don't know. I, I There was a guy who's in a group, a wonderful group I, I, I work with every week, and he said, everybody tells me that I should come to you for help with my pain and my back. He said, but I'm afraid it won't work. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, huh? He said, if I was caring how, what I did for you... Uh, you know, and and that I could fix you, and that it didn't. If it worked, it didn't work. I'd be in it with you. So as time went on, he did not come to me for it. Although other people had had great results, and told him so. I make cake for this group sometimes for people's birthdays, mm-hmm. and I am I. He's had the back problems, and his back is getting better after an operation and things. And I make cake for him now. And he calls me Nurse Karen. <laughs> so, okay, I didn't do my messing with him through these forms, but I made him cake, and it's got the same stuff in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, you, to me, Karen, you are a gem. You really are. Um, and I, I've, I've just... I've always loved being in your presence, and I'm sure that I speak for probably everyone who has the uh, opportunity to be in your presence, because there is this, you know, you've, you have this gift of being able to somehow, however, who cares, um, being able to transform people's states into something that is lighter and something that is is more uplifting. I, I help them notice it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have to be in uh, in in person with someone in uh-uh. order for this to no? Nope. I've been working on the phone on Skype, and you know, sometimes I'd rather do it on the phone. I don't want anybody watching me because I do other things while I'm talking to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I'm not focusing on the, oh, yeah, I have all the problems. Okay, let me take notes. Um, 
I listen though. I'm I'm really I the one thing I know I I do well is listen. Mm-hmm. Listening is so key. Good listening is something I really encourage to people to learn because and not only just to another person, but to yourself and to other possible realms of information. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I think stuff comes in. Um, I think we're in a unique time, and it's possible there are, whatever you want to call it, newer dimensions uh, available. Listen, the computer taught us to, to all this mental exercise of taking layers off. You know, it's like your mind is opening, opening, opening. I'm not sure about the phones for the kids. I think it's over-activating them. I'm a little concerned about mm-hmm. kind of what's happening for kids. Um, it's, it's addictive. Mm-hmm. Um but but we sure as heck don't know how to be with our kids now and how to educate them or know what they need. I, that's another, because of my children's books, you know, I work with a lot of people who are rethinking education and doing beautiful, beautiful things of having sacred circles for kids in schools so that they can learn how to talk to each other and to and to. Um, honor one another uh there's just there's there's a whole it's nice actually thing actually where the ancestral stuff is needs to be blended back into the contemporary world mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where where communication is and and the books that i did are total participation i mean kids literally read a story they get to create the character we have the moment of the story on the page they complete the pictures on the page they make a book with me. I created this 25, 30 years ago, wow. you know, where I wanted the kids to, and then they write their name in the book and they write their own story at the end of the book. They make a book with me. I never wanted to just, like, I don't want to teach something. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have somebody read my story. I, I want to look at my pretty pictures. I wanted them to become the character, to become the story. You know, to to go through the story with the character as themselves, mm-hmm. so that everything's experiential. You know, so that's been my theme. Was my theme with my movies. My movies were experiential. I love Ronald Lang, Artie Lang. He mm-hmm. he felt that dreams, fantasy, and reality were equal, and that you went to the person that you were uh, working with, not not bring them to you. Um, so that's been my, you know, Steiner, mm-hmm. educational warlock stuff. That's all been my background, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what I, I love. So experientially doing it with this work is very similar to what I did. It's, it's, it's allowing and acknowledging and knowing that there are many pieces of a person to share, uh, many parts of their consciousness, and if whatever piece is available or whatever you want to kind of expand into and allow different pieces to show up, you make room for that by being in that expanded state. Mm-hmm. Your books sound fascinating and really uh, valuable. Is there some way that people can, I mean, are they available? or? Yes, they're on, it's, I have a website, in, they're called Invitational Books, invitationalbooks.com. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll put that on the web. I'll put on the website too. Yeah. So um, now that I now that you're giving me an opportunity to hear myself and what I've been doing over the years, that all comes together. Really, it mm-hmm. all has the same has the same from me to someone else is from me with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And how many books are there? There's four. Uh, there's uh, I've Completed 12 and four are published. Okay. Okay. Is there a certain age range for them? Or? You know, I would say from about five on. Okay. You know, so they can play in the book and scribble and write. And, you know, I broke all the rules. You don't, you don't draw in books and mm. write in books. Um, <laughs> another thing I like doing, breaking rules. I broke rules being the first woman. I broke rules, you know, whatever, communicating with doctors who didn't want anyone communicating with them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then any of this work is then was I've been doing for 45 years. So so always a little ahead here, and these books obviously were too. So I think everybody, can, the stories are complete, 
and they are transformational stories, and they are literature. Mm-hmm. It's not the little choo-choo train. Mm-hmm. Okay. So pretty much any age, and they always have a there's a transformation. Characters transform into who they really want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the child or the person going through the story and the adventure also transforms. Neat. Wow. So invitationalbooks.com. Um, yeah, I think that sounds like a valuable tool for anyone who has children and is concerned about how they're developing in this chaotic and difficult time. Yeah, I love, I love a hands-on experience. I kind of, you know, know that might sound old-fashioned, but there's nothing like a child doing something by hand and handing it to somebody and having them look at it and it. You know, they're keepsakes. You can have a library of your children's work over. You can do these books when they're five, when they're eight, when they're 11, and see their progress and their mm-hmm. development. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like a great gift. So it, so yes. to go going to the website would be to order the books. It's probably doesn't sound like something that would be an ebook that you download or anything like that. No, no. You, the, I think there's a, I know there's a place where you can the books from I think it's right info at invitational books and it comes to me mm-hmm. yeah, I have to put them in the mail <laughs> great so very manual yeah. so so yeah so if somebody just wanted to go ahead and order the books they would email you directly well it's, it'll tell you it, it oh. says contact us yeah. okay okay yeah it's on the website okay yeah, that's oh. for the books yeah and then if anybody wants to do a, a quote-unquote session. Yeah, go ahead, please. <laughs> um, yeah, um, they can get me at accesschange at gmail. Accesschange at gmail.com. Okay, so that is how to get a hold of Karen Sperling, everyone. Accesschange at gmail.com. Great. Karen, this has been very fun. Thank you so much. Um, oh, I think... well, thank you. And I, as I said, I, you, you're a remarkable, amazing being as well. And I, I really appreciate you and amazed at <laughs> I knew you when <laughs> and moved. <laughs> the Heartland girl. Um, I love reading your, your um, blog newsletter. <laughs> oh, I just enjoy them so much. I'm oh, right there. You're really good at that. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I don't. I get. I get a little bit of feedback, but not much. So every once in a while, I wonder: Is it worth it to do this? Should I be doing this? Does anybody even care? <laughs> oh, I do. I do. When I just feel like I'm right there, I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, so if anybody is interested in my blog newsletter, I'll, I'll give a little pitch for it right now. Um, it only it comes out because I upload the podcast every other week. So in between, I do a blog newsletter. And it's just, it's kind of an authentic, sometimes it's what's going on with me. Sometimes it's some, some ideas that have come into my head or some thoughts, something I've been thinking about. And then I feature whoever my latest guest is. And I pull up from the archives a couple of, of other guests that because people are always joining you know as I go along Um, so I pull up some older conversations and then I always try to find a good recipe to put in so that uh, make it interesting so yeah it's it's fun to do I like doing it actually Um, well thank you oh thank you I, I really appreciate that feedback thank you so thank you Karen this has been wonderful I'm really glad to reconnect and Thank you. Of course we will. (laughs) Of course. Okay. Take care. Yes. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Karen Sperling, for a fun, informative conversation. The podcast website is realjanine.com. You can listen and download episodes. There's links to guest web pages, photos, and you can sign up for the Real Janine bi-weekly newsletter. Remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. And if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, which I hope you might, uh, go to iTunes and 
type in Keeping It Real with Janine and uh, it will come up. Also, you may have another favorite podcast provider like Stitcher or Google that you can do it there too. Do you know anyone who would enjoy my conversation with Karen Sperling? I'll bet you do. Please share the love. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.